This is the Team Clear Coat Podcast. We're two friends finally doing something about our obsession with cars. We're probably not doing it well, but it should be fun. We might actually learn something along the way. I'm Ian. And I'm Dave. And this is our show. Ian. Hey, Dave. How's it going, buddy? I'm great. Yeah? Yeah, I'm really excited. Okay, I am too. Yeah, so we have a we have a guest today, uh, Derek Mead from Motherboard, Editor-in-Chief of Motherboard. Uh, hey, Derek, how's it going? Oh, it's delightful. How are you too? <laughs> We're great. Um, so tell us a little bit about uh, Motherboard, and then we'll get into uh, why you're here. Well, those are two uh, very difficult questions. Um, <laughs> so Motherboard um, is the science and tech vertical of Vice Media. Um, and we pretty much, uh, we focus on how technology is shaping the future for humans. So, you know, uh, robots and things, killer robots, planes, drones, all of that shit, what it means for us in the future, um, as opposed to, uh, say, writing about an iPhone. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. So more artificial intelligence and how it's going to affect mankind versus yeah. uh, Lenovo laptop reviews. Exactly. I wish I had said it like that because it was very concise. <laughs> <laughs> Guess who's been reading articles about AI and deep thinking lately? <laughs> this guy. Yeah. So what I think, you know, maybe not uh, a lot of readers of, of Motherboard may know about you is that you are uh, you are into cars. You're you're a car guy. Yeah, I kind of am a dork when it comes to automobiles. And uh, yeah, I don't know that a whole lot of people know this about me. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I spend most of my free time um, reading, uh, I don't know, like uh, turbo plots um, and suspension diagrams and things like that. So I'm a oh, fucking dear nerd. God. Yeah, it's wow. bad. It's bad. I have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember a friend of mine asking me about my cycling a while ago, and he was like, is it more mm-hmm. of a habit or a problem? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I think from, from making turbo, like, are, are we talking like air fuel maps for turbo per PSI or like, yeah, well, let's get into that. I mean, look, if you want to go hog wild right now, I, uh, I'm, yeah. just a, I'm just a huge fan of efficiency, right? I mean, so you can look at, uh, I mean, there's maps of uh, turbine efficiency of uh, at what point of how much air they're pushing out, how efficient they work. Um, you know, and I just like to maximize uh, how, uh, how much power we're getting from how much energy we're putting into something. Um, okay. I, I cannot believe that you guys are still awake right now as I say <laughs> no. this, but it's one of those things where, I mean, the internal combustion engine is a magical device. Um, but we've yet to perfect it. So anytime we can make it uh, work better, then I get excited. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 no, no, I, I, we're 100% with you because I, I think one thing that we're constantly amazed by is the incredible efficiency in which we can turn up-down motion into spinny motion and how, how reliable that mechanism is, right? And how, how yeah. engines that should be able to do that better, like a Wankel engine, uh, it, it, obviously it doesn't have the years of development behind it that the standard internal mm-hmm. combustion engine does, but that it's failed, you know, it, not failed, yeah. but it, it's not nearly as <laughs> successful as it should be. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, it's, uh, we've been talking the fun for six minutes now, I think, uh-huh. and we've already talked about how Wankles have failed. So yeah. this is definitely going to be a hell of a podcast. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Well, it, if nothing else, we'll at least piss off at least one corner of car culture yeah <laughs> right off well, the bat. It's, th- it's three corners and none of them work <laughs> oh <laughs> all of the apex seals are blown oh oh sorry Michael guys 
Oh my God. Um, uh, I feel so good that I finally was able to make that joke because no one else I know would ever laugh at that. So thank you guys. I feel very welcome right now. Uh, yeah. It's like, you, it's like you're in our blanket fort with us, Derek. Yeah. Thank, thank you so much. Yeah. So how did you, so on the other end of it, the, the technology end, how did you mm. kind of get involved in, in the technology side of things and how, uh, you know why 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 does motherboard have the direction that it does because it is very unique among uh among tech blogs for sure um i think uh man thank you i mean that's a nice uh thing for you to say i think the uh the the magic for us is always had people that were kind of like outside the uh the mainstream of the the blogger industry whereas motherboard started uh with a bunch of total weirdos um including myself um and where we've kind of come from as we said uh you know there's a lot of people that talk about anything that happens there could be a new you know phone that comes out a new laptop that comes out nasa makes some new discovery and 200 different websites will write about it every single time yep, yep. so our big question was how can we write about things or how can we talk about things that no one else will see and if you combine that with the fact that, uh, you know, everyone heretofore who's worked at Motherboard was kind of a weirdo, degenerate person, um, we end up getting into a very strange relationship with technology where people start to question, like, is this actually good for us? And I think it's really, uh, I think it's really useful. I mean, you know, I, uh, I feel blessed that I live in the age of technology, um, you know. My phone has made my life better. My laptop has made my life better. Uh, it's measurably better. But at the same time, I feel like all of the shit that is building upon itself um, is controlling our lives in ways that we heretofore have not had to think about. So it's worth discussing, uh, you know, what kind of influence does all of these bits and baubles have on our day-to-day? It's that simple. Yeah, I, I like that. No, that, no, no, that's really well put. That's really well put. And that, and that actually gets us right to where all of the where you know the focus of this podcast and what you were just talking about sort of dovetail which is sort of the uh you know uh the the push of technology into the world of cars yes, yes. and mm-hmm. you know how you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of elements there because there's there's kind of the reluctance of the enthusiast culture to that to that push there's um you know um the the idea of safety and privacy mm-hmm. and all of those things um so let's get into some of that yeah so so let me kind of start by prefacing it by saying i like when it comes to technology i think it's very easy to say well we could do this we could do this we could do this we could implement some kind of accident avoidance system some kind of lane departure system but i think we as a society and a, as a car culture we haven't quite figured out exactly what we should be doing Right. Mm-hmm. And, and understanding that difference between just because we can, you know, is this really something that's in, in our long term best interest? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I, I always think back to uh, my grandfather um, who used to uh, race, uh, let's see, what was it? Uh, sprites. He used to race sprites in the, in the 60s and 70s, um, you know, and was really deep in the British car scene. And he always used to talk about the Prince of Darkness, right? Uh, uh, Lucas, who made all the electronics. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. The Prince of Darkness. Yeah. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, I mean, 
uh, all of these cars back then ran like a top until anything blew because there's no fuses. It was just like all of a sudden your car would explode and then you know everything was on fire and then your car sucks. Um, so obviously, if you compare it to that, today when your car actually starts when you want, it makes more power with less gas than uh, any car in history has ever made. That's obviously a huge uh, success. But I think a lot of uh, where we get promised for technology for cars is stuff where now we're reaching a point where we start to wonder whether it's actually good for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And a classic one I I love to look at is uh, automatic braking, right? Or um, emergency braking, things like that. The more that we have safety uh, in cars, I mean, it's not the point now where if you were to drive a, a modern, you know, Mercedes or uh, a BMW or Lexus or even like a Hyundai, whatever the fuck, you drive a car, it's so quiet and so silent and so solid that you don't even feel, you don't even realize you're doing 95 miles an hour on the freeway. No, you're exactly and then when right. You have, yeah. And, and then you have more and more gadgets in there saying like, oh, you know, if something pops in front of you, we'll stop for you. Who cares? And I feel like people uh, are perhaps becoming less active drivers than they used to be. And whether or not it's actually safer, that's something that we would have to study. But um, from an anecdotal standpoint, it's a, you do start to wonder, like, are you being removed from the driving experience altogether? And I don't know. I mean, what do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, we, so that's something we've talked about uh, before about kind of this middle ground that we're in uh, mm-hmm. between, you know, kind of what we consider driving, what we've always considered driving, right, and uh, autonomy. And it's, I feel like the this middle ground is probably the most dangerous time. Like once we get to full autonomy, that's going to be good because, you know, I don't like commuting; I like driving. Right, so. Mm-hmm. Re- removing commuting from from everybody's uh, task list is going to, you know, be make things so much safer. As long as there's still kind of a little corner for us to still be able to drive, you know, for enthusiasts to drive. Mm-hmm. That's a separate discussion, I guess. But but the I think you're right. The complacency that these like half measures, these half autonomy measures breed. Yes. I feel like. Uh, are just going to lead to more distracted driving are just going to lead to more a uh, lack of skill um, yep. you know when a computer <laughs> fails or doesn't know what to do um, you know th- those are the sorts of situations where uh, where accidents are going to become huge I, I, I think there's an industry uh, uh, beyond automotive uh, the, the automotive industry with that already and that's the aviation industry and they're already at the point where um, groups of pilots are relearning how to manually operate planes, um, mm-hmm. you know, during certain certain uh, elements w- where they've they've come to find out where those autonomous systems have actually done harm. And we, as car enthusiasts and as car culture, have not gotten to that point yet. But we kind of know it's coming because we have the canary in the coal mine of the aviation industry. Well, mm-hmm. but you, but I think you you touched on something inadvertently in that sentence is is that the the training aspect of it yes and you know driver's ed isn't changing right as far as i know it's been a long time since i was 17 but like it uh, driver's ed isn't changing to to meet like the new technology right right so um that that'll be interesting too to see how training will have to change well, I mean, here's the thing I remember is I remember going through the red asphalt, right? And I, I remember being terrified because I had been driving cars before I actually went through driver's ed. I mean, I grew up uh, in Northern California in the country, you know, and I I had uh, 
got him behind the wheel a couple times. But then I remember being like, all right, well, now I have to go get my license. And uh, people are telling me I have to do watch the red asphalt videos. And I was terrified. And <laughs> I watched them. And I'm not uh, – I'm a squeamish person. I'll just – say it outright and seeing yeah. a man's el- elbow erased by the road was terrifying and i thought to myself i'd never want to crash my car that fucking sucks right um right. and now it seems like uh you know there that's been lost like you know you sell a car it's saying this is safe you could drive this off a cliff and then into like a nuclear bomb and then land in the sun and then be ejected <laughs> from that and you'd be okay and like i mean great that's awesome i want to buy that car but is that making me a safer driver no i don't give a shit because i can do whatever i want right right yeah I, I think there might be a difference between like understanding that the cars that we're purchasing today have that technology, but we don't necessarily have to use it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the point where cars are like, we're not going to be able to turn that kind of stuff off. Right. Like, yeah. and it, it is like that now with emergency braking, but like, what else is that going to encroach? Yeah. And, and how we're going to suffer from that. Yeah. I mean, do you guys think that uh, dri- driving will eventually just be outlawed? I, I don't think I don't think it will be. I think it's too big a part of the culture, and mm-hmm. and you know there's there's situations like uh, you know people out in the middle of nowhere that may not have proper road markings. I mean we don't we don't have um, you know a hundred percent improved roads. What what do you mm-hmm. think, Derek? What do you think? Well, um, I don't think it will be outlawed for some time because exactly what you said, it's deeply in the American spirit of yeah. uh, we have freedom and it's also just necessary. You know what I mean? There's plenty of places you can drive that a currently an automated car could not take you. Um, but should an automated car be able to drive you wherever you want, um, I don't know that anyone will be able to argue that it shouldn't be. And there's a uh, right, <laughs> there's a moment right. in the uh, what is that stupid Will Smith movie I Robot I think he has that <laughs> yeah. Audi that has like this really cool looking Audi that's like brutal product placement, but the car is racing him and robots are trying to kill him and all of a sudden he's like screw it I'm gonna drive it myself and he hits it in a manual mode and it's like no that would never happen and computers will drive cars better than any of us ever could right so at some point i imagine it'll end up just being like horses where you go somewhere and you can ride a horse around as much as you want but that's not what you're going to do from day to day yeah the the analogy that i that i always like to to use and i'm sure Mm -hmm. anyone who listens to this regularly is already getting sick of this analogy but is uh is uh, the way that I consume music. So 95% of my music that I listen to, I actually listen to MP3s, but I collect vinyl, you know, because I like the, the, the tactile and yeah. the, the whole, that whole thing. So I think that's going to be the, the sort of model that, that cars are going to, that cars are going to be, we're going to have the equivalent of the iPod for all of our, like getting around shit that we have to do. But, you know, for fun, you know, we can have an old, uh, you know, an old Sprite or an old Alpha or whatever it is. Saab, Ian. Saab. I'm still going to have my goddamn Saab. Right. Well, by that Ooh. point, definitely. What kind of Saab, though? What model? Uh, it's, it's the NG900. It's a turbo that I've modified quite a bit. Ooh, yeah. well, that sounds like a beautiful ride. Yeah. Uh, well, beautiful uh, air <laughs> quotes because we are team clear coat and it has peeling clear coat, but um yeah 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 beautiful to me derek beautiful to me that's beautiful there's a uh there's a uh, ridiculously uh faded and battered sonnet that sits in oh. williamsburg 
And yeah. someone has a part in front of their vintage store waiting for someone to buy it. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. oh, I don't think that that is, uh, it's, it's double the price and it's half the, uh, condition that you would want, but yeah. you know, oh. Yeah, but sobs you have a soft spot for sobs. Everyone should, right? Mm-hmm. Did it? Yeah. So I know for me, like I didn't grow up necessarily like loving sobs or anything, but it was like the moment they went under, I was just like, "Oh, I miss sob. <laughs> I want one." Well, I I grew up seeing them, and I always thought they were like a really light, airy vehicle they always had like that more upright cabin yeah and it seemed very i don't know like i could just see myself wearing a scarf and like with the windows down <laughs> like your tippy hedron in your yeah, fantasy yes yeah okay. this is yeah this is my happy place <laughs> all right yeah let, let me have it um i don't i don't know so it was very uh i jumped on the opportunity to buy you know my buddy eric saw when he right. when he was tired of fixing it um yeah so So Derek, was that was that always a thing for you did you always like sobs or was it also now that you can't have them uh no i think i got into sobs uh in the middle ground right before they faded when i realized that uh they were just a strange company i think you know the the reason that uh people like or fell in love with sob as it started to collapse was that uh, i think a lot of uh car enthusiasts are generally fans of underdogs that's why we always want to modify cars and make them faster and everything you want to be able to be the one who made it better yep so you see like a saw that's collapsing and their whole heritage falls apart like no they were beautiful it was this incredible car that was built on fighter jets they're amazing right and like six months before you didn't give a single shit but it's just that it's that love of the underdog yeah. Well, and I, I think there's another. There's a couple other elements too. One is that, especially the uh, the first the, the 900s, uh, you know, the the first or the 99s and the first generation 900s just look like nothing else on the road now. You know, especially yeah. now that we're a f- few decades away from when they were new, they look mm-hmm. like fucking spaceships on the road yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. They're so crazy looking. And then the other thing too is I think you were touching on it like that the the germans i think were sort of winning that ar- the argument of uh of the class that the sob sort of lived in mm-hmm. of like that luxury sport thing and kind of homogenizing fun cars you know to be fast and efficient and boring and german you know <laughs> and, and so and so like when when jaguar starts to be resurgent and t- takes another spin on it or or, you know, we look back and we see what Saab was doing with it or Volvo starts yeah. putting out good cars again. Mm-hmm. We're, we're excited about that because, you know, not everything needs to be an M3 fighter, which is like, you know, that's the uh, yeah. that's the equivalent that the uh, is this the M3 killer is the equivalent of a Lenovo laptop review, right? True. Yeah. <laughs> is it the is it the MacBook Air killer? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. I uh, recently have taken pleasure in uh, reading. Uh, car reviews and especially car shootouts from the early 2000s. Um, oh, yeah. Uh-huh. I uh, yesterday spent a lot of time reading car and driver supercar shootouts, like just all the way front to back from like 2002, 2004. And it's crazy because, uh, 
you know, you're looking back in the day and people are spending $30,000 to get a hundred horsepower out of, uh, you know, yep. some Chevy engine or something. Yeah. And it's nuts because, uh, we, we, there's always been this, uh, this push for more and more and hype and hype and saying, here's something better, better, better. But no one ever has been able to quantify from decade to decade the experience and what is actually more fun to drive or what is giving you more enjoyment. That's the thing that's hard. That's the hardest thing to be able to uh, actually quantify. Wow. Okay. That's, that's I, a really good point. And I'm, yes. I'm wondering then how, because, you know, we kind of started off this with yeah. we, this whole talk with a, a really kind of technical discussion about, mm-hmm. about what you kind of like with the, with efficiency and how you can put numbers mm-hmm. to all, to those things. So how do you, how do you personally square that with your want for the, the X factor, the fun part of it, you know, like the experience part. Well, I would say um, they're entirely separate. So I'll put it this way. Um, if you look, uh, when I was a kid, um, I was always into uh, Plymouth, the Plymouth GTX, the Roadrunner, because um, my was something my dad was into and everything. Yeah. If I was to drive one of those today, I would be annoyed as hell um, because not only does it steer like shit, it doesn't stop, right. um, and it doesn't yep. matter that it doesn't stop because it takes 17 seconds to go uh, through the quarter mile. But everyone's talking about this car is this beautiful muscle car, right? Uh, but you know, it, it's an amazing looking car um, and it has all this cachet and it's beautiful, uh, to drive and it's just an experience you can ignore. Now I can hop into a rental car and drive a Ford fusion that'll blow the doors off that thing. And I wouldn't even know it because the entire time I'm talking on Bluetooth to somebody uh, to order a pizza somewhere. I mean, it's, it's a, just an experience that you can't, um, really compare from, uh, from decade to decade. So I think the way that I look at being at a car enthusiast to say, what are the things that uh, stand out to me as a moment in time or like a, a memory that I really want to experience? And those are the things I'm going to go after. Um, <laughs> does that sound uh, completely rambling and no, nonsensical? No, no, no. It makes perfect yeah. sense. Can you give us an example of one of those things that you consider a touchstone that you would want to go after? Oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, I can give you uh, yeah, let's, a Yeah, let's few. get into it, buddy. Yeah. Uh, so, um, I've actually always been a huge, uh, Nissan dork. Yes. Um, yes. And, uh, so I think, uh, you know, when I really started getting into cars, I remember, um, you know, talking to my dad and my grandfather about cars and the, you know, they were into a lot of, uh, you know, like I said, uh, sixties and seventies, British cars, um, some muscle cars, but you know, I never really understood what these things were. And so when I started reading magazines to learn about this shit and say, you know, when I go to Thanksgiving, I'll have something cool to say, I got really into imports. Um, and I used to read uh sport compact car religiously. I think it's yep. all the best car magazines ever put out. And that's when I really got into reading about, uh, you know, skylines and, yes. and Sylvia's and 240 SX's and all that stuff. Um, and years and years ago I was in Japan and I went to go try to find the uh, secret Nissan museum, um, the Zama museum. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's where they keep, you know, all of their important race cars from all of history. Yep. Now I never found it. Um, I went to a number of places in Yokohama, like 7-Elevens, asking people uh, when I didn't speak Japanese if they knew of this place. And eventually one day someone pointed to me something. It turned out to be an engine museum for Nissan uh, at one of their engine facilities in the Yokohama Harbor. And I walked in there and there was a Group A uh, R32 Skyline sitting just parked with (laughs) still dirt on it, like from the track. Oh my God. 
Exactly. And see, you and I, we can get along. So I go in there and I look at this thing and I just went to go touch it. And I just went to touch it. And I said, this is a car that, you know, it has history. It was a, this is a car that meant something. It destroyed everybody. And people like look at it today. And I felt that energy. And that was the moment where I was like, this is a car that I could care about. And that's what I look at today. Like what are touchstone cars over time that people like that matter, you know? Yeah. I don't. I don't want to so, turn this into a, a sexting event, but Dave was just <laughs> rubbing his nipples while you were talking about that. So, good. I mean, honestly, I've been rubbing my nipples for about twenty minutes here. So. <laughs> but I think that's it. I mean, you know, I uh, I would never begrudge anyone for saying, "Look, I own a Ferrari or a Lamborghini or a Jaguar sure, or whatever sure. the fuck." I mean, they're beautiful cars. I've driven a few, uh, you know, very very fancy cars over the years, and it's it's an experience. I mean, and I remember the first time I sat in a Ford GT. Um, um, and had someone uh, open it up, and I was like, "Wow, all right, I get why this car is worth as much as it is." It. But does it connect to what you think of as yourself? Like, is it something you could say, "This is someone who worked hard to make it faster and make it successful and make it win"? Right. No, it's someone who's incredible engineers who spent a lot of money and said, "Now pay for it." You know, there, I think that's a connection for me. Is like, what is something that the common man could? connect with just in terms of work being put in of success and cleverness and engineering versus all of those things, but fueled with tons of money. So I, I think this actually kind of parallels something that we talked about on one of our earlier episodes where we were talking about how a, a car on paper that might be the best, right? Like what was the example that you used Ian? Uh, the, the Mark seven Volkswagen Golf. The, right. the, the GTI. The GTI, yeah. right? But Ian here, he happens to have a 2004 Volkswagen R32, all right? Mm-hmm. And that vo- we were arguing that that car is actually cooler, even though on paper and, you know, on the track, it's slower. And uh, it had, you know... It's less practical. It's less it's practical. More right? expensive to run but, and all those things. But yeah. I, I think this kind of dovetails into that, that preferring a, a Group A, for the love of God... <laughs> Skyline R32, yeah, rubbing them again. Um, (laughs) Over, say, somebody that just, you know, somebody that just bought a Ferrari or or even, say, the new Nissan GTR, right? Mm -hmm. And and how we feel about, like, that that really important element, that tentpole of coolness for a brand, you know, or or for a line of cars, like an Audi Ur Quattro. Versus, you know, just the brand new A5, S5, you know, whatever the fuck, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. It, but, and it's, it's that coolness, I think, is easier to connect to. Like, that's, that's what I connect with. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think where it comes down to is like there's always, uh, especially in automotive culture, and I find it incredibly obnoxious, is there's a struggle for authenticity, and no one knows what that means. Right? Be like, are you a real muscle car guy? Are you a real import guy? Do you yes. really care about tuners or Euro cars or whatever the hell subgenre it is? Um, and then there's uh, then there's an essence of uh, originality. And then there's an essence of we just don't give a fuck. We want to go faster. And that's what I care about. My favorite example I could think of off the top of my head, the R32, uh, the um, Volkswagen is a great, great example of this. But another one that's a classic, and there's a reason that these are worth uh, you know, 500,000 euro now, is the, uh, the 190E, the, uh, yes. the, the Benzo. 
Yeah. It's like, look, yeah. let's take a let's take a sedan that, you know, we should be coddling yep. upper middle class German people and then let's just make it pissed off. Right. And that's the type of thing where it's like kind of a middle finger, but based on like a balance of engineering like success and like proven goals of where you're trying to get. I think that's where a lot of car people really connect to it. Because it's yeah. not just saying fuck you just for no reason, but it's saying here's specifically something that's proven to do better and also kiss my ass because it's going to yep yep volvo 850 racing wagon yeah yeah that's that's the best example too well and and i am curious to know what you think about then uh uh christian von koenigsegg because i feel like i I feel like you know you you kind of have a a big respect for people who do these things on Mm. a budget he's sort of like the the epitome of of what happens when you give the person you're describing unlimited resources <laughs> yes and, yeah. and an old fighter jet hangar to do it in yeah yeah i mean i think he's brilliant i mean if uh i mean you know hopefully christian's listening to uh this this podcast because <laughs> i'd say um what they what they've done um is unbelievable he said here's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna make everything better and i'm gonna constantly involve it i mean for me i've always uh had a deep um I don't know, a deep obsession and joy out of the, uh, the development of a car, or the yes. tuning of yes. a car, for lack of a better word. I mean, you know, customizing a car to make it better for whatever it is you're trying to do is incredibly like pleasing to me to learn about. And, um, to see someone who's doing that with a full R and D budget is incredible because he's not just saying, what are the best shocks I can put on this thing? What are the best coilovers? Like, should I put a turbo on this? He's saying, I'm just going to do all of that and also make it myself. It's yeah. unbelievable that he's doing that. And, and then um, ask the question, like, why do we yeah. even need a transmission for the Regal? Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I will say that his cars all look kind of the same, which I would love to see a little bit, something a little bit different there. If you guys are looking for criticism there, but uh, that's just because I'm trying to pretend to not be an entire fanboy. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're both, I mean, I think we're both huge fanboys. Yes. And I, yeah. I, I love some of the, the, the technology stuff that he's kind of now that, that, He's found a way to develop technology and allow it to trickle down to, to mm-hmm. other car makers. You know, like the the pneumatic camshaft thing um, that that Volvo is testing now. Uh, yeah. It's pretty cool. And then um, you know, obviously he like he owns the patent for flex fuel, right? Um, yeah, yeah, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, his, his pneumatic test car, a Saab station wagon. Oh, that's what it was. A Saab. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yep. <laughs> yep. It all comes back to Saabs. Look, let me tell you something. Uh, a few a few months ago, I was in LA to do a uh, a story about uh, drag racing. Right. Oh. Okay. And we met up with a dude. Um, he uh, he runs a shop called BC Performance. Um, in LA and he, uh, this dude, Corey is the fastest drag racer, street racer in LA. Um, you know, I mean, he's basically saying, he told us, you know, he won't even race on anybody at this point unless he'll put down a minimum of like 30 grand for a single heads up race, which is, I mean, I don't know about you guys, uh, but that's a lot of money. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But he was saying he builds up a car every few, every three to six months, um, because he's trying to change out the formula for his cars because it's the one anyone had know how fast they are. And he had just built a new uh, Fox body Mustang, um, which is a car I learned to drive in. So obviously I was happy about it. Um, but it, <laughs> what he was running in it was a small block, small block Chevy uh, with a blow through uh, supercharger on a carb. 
um, and I asked him about this, and I said, you know, it's 2016. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a lot of options out there for uh, fuel injection for turbos, which, you know, often these days are more efficient than superchargers and all this shit. Like, I mean, you could be making more power for less money and market more efficient. And he said, you know what? I don't care because this is the stuff that I know how to do, and this is the stuff that's easiest to deal with. Um, and that, uh, I was impressed, um, because obviously he's more successful than I'll ever be, um, at street racing, but it also something that stuck with me because I was thinking, I thought to myself ever since then, like the reason I'm into cars is because you're pushing this constant pursuit of better engineering and to see someone who's dialed in a formula that's based on stuff that's 30 to 40 years old, um, it's cool to see, but also I kind of lost a bit of interest versus, as we're saying, uh, you know, Koenigsegg. Right. Hmm. I like that. That's that's really interesting. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, 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 my mind is blown that he just casts aside that technology, but in the name of simplicity. Yeah. It, I, I mean, it, it for like... Sense. Yeah, I mean, I think probably for less than 10 grand, he had a car that could do uh, eight seconds and a quarter mile. Um, so, Jesus. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. But uh, at the same time, it's kind of like, uh, you know, it's a, it's a proven model. I mean, where do we grow from there? Like, I always wanted to be able to grow. Right, right. Hmm. Huh. So, so, can you give us some examples of those, like, automotive achievements that have really stood out to you where you have seen that, either technology or that engineering kind of be that really peak, you know, mm -hmm. th those really, those things that you really like, obviously it's not the Wankel engine. <laughs> no, I think actually the Wankel is fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think it needs a new name. Um, the uh, rotaries are excellent. They're, they're absolutely fascinating to me. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think for me, um, you know, engine wise, um, you know, what's always a, hilarious to me is the idea that the uh the chevy ls architecture with the uh, you know overhead off. uh valves and in can or in block cam is still more efficient and lighter than just about every overhead cam or overhead cam engine that's out there today right so i don't know what's uh what's been really impressive to me in the last uh 15 years is uh turbo design um you know i've not only uh, variable vane turbos, but just the fact that turbos have gotten more efficient with less lag than they've ever been. That's really cool. Um, and I think uh, where the real um, huge success these days is actually in uh, the the drivetrain. I mean, transmissions, um, we're seeing, what, like 10 gears now, 30 gears now. Um, and it's, it's crazy that people are putting this much out there. And also we're seeing, um, you know, active and uh, intelligent um, proportioning through the drivetrain for all-wheel drive or uh, torque vector control in um, drivetrains that are unbelievable because it's making everything smarter, safer, and uh, to a degree more efficient. So let's get back to uh, turbos for a second and, and what you mm -hmm. said about um, about the innovation that's kind of bringing new, uh, new, new characteristics to mm -hmm. turbos for like eliminating lag or, or minimizing mm -hmm. lag, things like that. So uh, we kind of joke uh, because my Saab is so ridiculous. It has a Mitsubishi TDO4 turbo. It's the Vig, mm -hmm. it's the Saab Vigan turbo, and it it is lag. It is lag where you say lag, and then you wait for lag, and then it punches you in the face, uh, you know, while kicking you in the nuts. So, mm -hmm. so if you if we have these kinds of technologies that 
for a turbo lag to me actually is fun, right? Like I actually mm-hmm. really like the char- characteristics of that lag in my turbo um, where like these engineering improvements might uh, encroach on the fun of the, of the over of the thing that it's trying to improve. Mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, what's the most attractive car of all time? The most attractive E type, yes. Um, I, I mean, personally, I, I really, really like the R thirty four Nissan Skyline myself. That's, I think, that's probably my favorite. Those are good choices, um, but they're both incorrect. The most attractive <laughs> car of all time is yeah, the uh, is the F uh, forty. Um, fantastic uh, car. Yeah. It literally looks like every race car you've ever dreamed of when you drove it on a napkin, and um, everyone's and afraid of it. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, yeah. it's too bad that there uh, aren't enough out there that people can actually drive. Um, but the thing about that car, um, people forget about, it only made, what, 450 horsepower, 470 horsepower. Um, and it's incredible because it needed to have a relatively small engine. Um, but it had two big honking turbos on there, and yep. it uh, was not great to drive by all accounts. I mean, people ended up getting it up to 600, 700, maybe even 800 horsepower, they say, but I think that's nonsense um, but even 600 horsepower there it was absolutely a uh, on off switch to drive right now um i do agree um with you 100 percent that that makes for an engaging drive um, <laughs> you're gonna you pay attention tri- that's for sure <laughs> yeah i mean it's fun because uh i mean i remember driving let's say i can take a two cars uh when i was a young young child um one was a uh, honda del sol that a friend of mine had a del slow um, oh yeah yeah <laughs> with uh with vtech and i remember vtech kicking in and had another friend who had a uh an mr2 um that had a uh, turbo that was too large for it um and didn't produce enough power but that also was an on-off switch right and it's fun because you uh you know you're accelerating down the freeway and all of a sudden you're sitting there having a conversation about where you want to go buy your burrito for lunch and then all of a sudden the entire car is screaming at the top <laughs> of the songs yeah that that sounds familiar that, that yeah that's i think that was it. my commute right? home from work today yeah <laughs> that's good i mean that's the thing is like you know i think my point would be that I, as much as I love the, the beauty of efficiency and engineering, those are the experiences that I would never, ever try to say uh, should disappear because those are the ones that you remember and those are the most visceral connections you have to a car, right? Yes. Like that's the beauty yes. of doing it. Yes. So, preach, so, preach. <laughs> so, then, so then because, you know, we all are kind of in the both a foot in the technology camp and a foot in the the automotive enthusiast camp what should we be doing as enthusiasts to make sure that we don't fuck it up for ourselves and and that people will take driving away right that's that that's the that's the dystopia that we want to avoid so how do we how do we go about being like better how do we have call call culture be better citizens and make it so our toys don't get taken away from us well, I will say uh, I'm flattered that you asked me that, assuming you were asking that to me. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. But I'm from California, and if you guys uh, know anything about California, it sucks for being a car enthusiast yeah. uh, because of the uh, because of carb, right? right. And I uh, also love carb because I remember being a kid in L.A. Um, and not in having my fucking throat hurt all the time because smog sucked. Um, so it's great. Clean hair is good. I would say there's two things that we can do for cars. One is not be a jackass driving them um, because that doesn't help. 
Uh, <laughs> no, I'm glad that correct. I think yeah. we got a single single giggle out of that. No, um, you're right. The other thing is uh, we definitely uh, need to be able to uh, not only lobby, converse, promote, and reposition basically the car culture and car enthusiasts as something that is separate from cars themselves. Um, and I think heretofore people have been terrified of doing that for uh, a lot of reasons. But if we want to hold on to cars as an enthusiast culture into the future, we have to figure out how to exempt that from the day-to-day usage of automotive vehicles, right? And say, look, I drive a obscure um, version of a weird Porsche that I've customized in my garage, um, and it's safe and it's well put together. Um, but I don't want the government, or I don't want the you know my state regulating this the same way as a Toyota. Pre- that's automated and driven by a computer it's entirely separate endeavor um and now is probably the time to start separating that to say if we're customizing cars that are old it's such a small percentage of cars on the road that we have to be able to protect this as the freedom of an enthusiast camp versus comparing them to all of the cookie cutters that are commuting on freeways every moment of the day yeah yeah and i i think that's exactly right and i think you know it's difficult because we we sort of have like competing interests as enthusiasts because we mm-hmm. want to like we want to invite more people in so we on one hand will bemoan you know the appliance sizing of cars right so like everything mm-hmm. is just becoming uh, you know a camry is now an appliance more than it's a car and we we complain about that fact because we want people to have fun in their cars but at the same mm-hmm. time if we do that too much i think you're right i think we risk conflating commuting with driving and 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 risk having driving taken away from us yeah exactly i mean like i'll put it this way i think uh people who um are running their cars without cats like without catalytic converters in the street to save five horsepower i think those people are assholes yeah i completely agree because you're you're poisoning the air for no reason who gives a shit about that but at the same time if I uh, decide to put a uh, an LS in my RX-7 because it's more efficient and it's lighter and it makes more power and it uses less gas, um, which I can't believe we've gotten to a rotary argument because I personally love rotaries. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, just to yeah. make just to make this argument, if I put a Chevy LS in an RX-7, which makes for a delightful car, beautiful car, by the way, yeah, I really sure. really love to have this. I would have uh, the California government shit on me. Um, why is that? No reason. It makes no sense whatsoever. And what that car should be classified is as an enthusiast car. I would happily pay a registration fee to have a certain number of miles I could drive that each year. Fine. I don't give a shit. But let's get to a point where that is entirely separated from the conversation of yes. are we protecting the environment and protecting safety because this is an enthusiast vehicle. And if I am an enthusiast, I probably know what I'm doing more than some schmo driving his Honda while drunk in an autopilot. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I agree completely. Yeah. That's a, that's well put. <laughs> um, so would, would, you, would you mind running us? I like, I'm just, I'm going to get non heady for a second and do some yeah. t- typical stuff. Like it, Run us through some of your car history. Let it, let's let's hear the nerdiness come out. Oh well, then. Uh, so uh, I learned to drive in two cars. One of them was a 1993 Isuzu Trooper two oh, uh, wow. called Buttermilk. 
Um, and uh, that was an F excellent four by four, which I drove in many places in reckless um, ways that I hope my parents are listening to. <laughs> I, I, um, I, I just want to double check buttermilk. Buttermilk was the name of it. Yeah, it yeah. was a off white. Uh, it was their name, not mine. Yeah. But okay. uh, no, I, I'm, I, uh, in. I'm in. I think uh, many times in my life I had that thing on two wheels while uh, <laughs> spinning donuts and or uh, racing off-road. Um, and then I, uh, my first car um, I actually uh, reasonably learned to drive in was a, uh, let's see, 500-plus uh, crank horsepower uh, Fox Mustang that my dad had. Um, and that's what I took my driving test in, which was very <laughs> oh, stressful. <yes. laughs> so, I mean, ba- so back in those days, was, was that a stick? Oh yeah, it was a, it was a T56. Uh, no, 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 sorry. T5. It was right. a five speed. So it was, I mean, that's a, that thing takes, you know, you have to, I was a skinny kid when I was 15. So it took a lot of effort to get that from a uh, second to third. I uh, remember this time my dad's a uh, retired firefighter and uh, there was one point where he had injured his shoulder. So it was his right shoulder, he had shoulder surgery and I needed to drive to my orthodontist to get my braces, uh, um, you know, readjusted. And my dad couldn't drive me cause he couldn't shift the, uh, his Mustang. So he had me drive before I even had a license and it was pouring rain naturally. And that thing didn't have traction control and the alternator was going out. So he just was yelling. He was telling me, if you stall, we're not going to be able to turn this on again, and he'll be stuck in the rain, and neither of us can push this car, so we're fucked. Oh, my God. <laughs> so at one point, I'm driving through our uh, you know, downtown of my old town, and uh, going light to light. And uh, at one point, he's like, you're bogging it, you're bogging it. So I was like, all right, I can't bog it. And so I just floored it. And I went two city blocks, just lighting the tires up. <laughs> and finally, like, I, you know, I finally hit the clutch in and just hit the brakes and slow down after not even realizing, because I just blacked out of just stress from <laughs> to stall this car, you know. And after two or th- two blocks of just running lights that I didn't even know were there, I finally stop at a red light and I look over at my dad and I'm like, all right, and I didn't stall it. And he's like, no. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> and we're lucky to be alive. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, so I had that. Um, I had a Nissan Pathfinder for a yes. while that, uh, you know, I used to, uh, that was the car that I got into a lot of trouble um, when I was a country boy uh, driving, um, you know, through orchards and rivers and lakes of, uh, of Northern California. Um, I'm not going to say I've ever been chased by a county sheriff, but I've never been <laughs> caught by one. Um, <laughs> and uh, and then after that, um, I had a uh, Volvo 850 Turbo that I had for yes. a while. Um, and that thing was hilarious because it was, uh, yeah, it was fast. I mean, I was always surprised by how fast that was. Uh, yeah. And then... I think that's, uh, I'm trying to think of anything else. I mean, I've driven a lot of cars here and there. Um, and, you know, I think through uh, work, I've driven even more. Um, but it's been actually quite some time since I've owned a vehicle living in living in uh, Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, I haven't had anything that I've wanted to own enough that I'm willing to park on the street and watch it get the bastard shit by yeah. <laughs> you know, other people trying to park. So I'm kind of in the market right now. I don't know if you guys have any advice for uh, what I should buy. Oh, God. I think an overpriced Saab Sonnet is probably... Yeah. 
It's probably up there. I got to think. I mean, I'm sold on that. I also, I came Corvair. very close recently to buying a uh, Toyota, like a full-blown uh, Southern California-style pre-runner that had like, uh, you know, 20 inches of travel at each wheel. But then yes. I realized that the thing was uh, as wide as two lanes of traffic and there was no way I'd be able to park it. So. Well, what would you <laughs> so be using it on that. for? Would you just be using it for like, I'm going to take a blast upstate and, you know, you're never going to actually drive it in the city or... No, I mean, I drive in the city, and if anyone got in my way, they'd be dead. I mean, yeah, you know, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been thinking about buying a, uh, I don't know, I, I think I've, um, this is getting very personal now, but yeah, I've, uh, I've had a, uh, I've been missing California a bit lately. So I spent a lot of time looking at Ford Raptors. And I'm like, uh-huh. man, if I just had a Ford Raptor, I could wear a cowboy hat. <laughs> okay. First, you don't need a Ford Raptor to wear a cowboy hat. You just no, I mean, own that. Yeah. But yes. <laughs> also, you live in Brooklyn, so yeah. I'm sure you're not going to be the only one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I spent five years trying to avoid being an asshole, and now I'm just like, fuck it. You know, <laughs> yeah, let's right. just do it. <laughs> yeah. I, like I hope you guys, I just realized I've probably been swearing immensely oh. on this, uh, this thing, so I apologize for that. Yeah. From episode one, we've been tagged as explicit in iTunes, so don't worry. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We, yeah. You're, you're well, that explains go. all the nipple rubbing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. See, I was going to go the opposite direction with my recommendation, because I was going to say, well, just get like an MG and then just modify mm. the shit out of it. Yeah. yeah. Make oh my god, make it a pre-runner MG. That would be the coolest shit ever. The new like, aerial just, nomad, get one of those. Look, I'll say this. Uh, a few weeks ago I had a dream come true um for me, which ever since I was uh, roughly, I don't know, 7 years old whenever uh, the Ivan Iron Man Stewart arcade game came out. Yes. I've always wanted to drive uh, yes. an off-road truck. And uh, a few weeks ago Stadium I got the truck. chance to drive yeah, I got the chance to drive um, BJ Baldwin. I uh, drove his uh, his trophy truck. It's like what? Baja winning trophy truck. Yeah, I jumped it in the air, which was tight. I mean, um, <laughs> I don't but, have enough nipples to rub. <laughs> well, uh, I think that video is going to come out in probably a week or two, so I'll send it to you guys. Yeah, but it's sure. one of those things where I was like, "Here," I mean, he basically told me he said like this truck costs seven hundred fifty thousand dollars to build in parts with no with no labor, no engineering or anything. And he said, "I'm going to let you drive it, but let me tell you this: um, I'll give you one piece of advice. If you see something big in the desert, because I didn't get to pre-run the course you're on, I just drove it. Um, it's like if you see anything big, just run over it." If you break the shocks on this thing, because the shocks are five inches in diameter and they're, you know, it's 24 inches of travel. I mean, the fucking things are huge, right? It's like, if you break one of the shocks, you break the suspension on this thing, I will buy you all the beers you want anywhere (laughs) in Vegas. But if you try to swerve out of the way, you will roll this thing. If you roll this thing, you better hope it catches on fire. Because if it doesn't catch on fire and you don't die, I'm going to have to kill you. (laughs) (laughs) That is amazing. Yeah, so after that, and I drove that truck. um, And, uh, I mean, we got going pretty fast. He terrified me when he drove it. I mean, this guy jumped it. We hit a jump. He, uh, I I clocked it on... uh, on something he hit a jump at 70 miles an hour and we went i think 160 feet in the air like distance wise yeah and you know he didn't you couldn't even feel it you didn't you wouldn't even feel the landing it was fucking crazy so after that experience i was like i need this insane truck and i don't know where i'm gonna drive it but if i have to jump it over the brooklyn bridge i don't give a shit because like (laughs) yes (laughs) that's what i'm living for well have you seen though have you seen though that this like kind of new trend in like off-road sports cars that people are doing because it's getting oh, so yeah. 
Yeah. So it's like getting hard to drive your sports car fast places. So now people are making off-road sports cars uh, mm-hmm. like, you know, uh, 240s and and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But like with huge tires and huge suspension travel, I think something like that would be amazing. What about our buddy, the tattoo artist that has the AMC Eagle with a lift kit? Yeah. They oh, yes. run over okay, anything. Speak my language. Yes. Yes. Hell yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a Denver landmark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, that's so tight. I mean, I think this is, uh, I mean, like I, uh, I think the car, if I was to, um, you know, sit down with a garage somewhere and you know, I had a space to work on things, I wanted to build something. The car I've always wanted to build um, was uh, a version of either, there's two different um, Nissans that were in uh, Formula Drift for a couple of years. There was the S13, the Dai Yoshihara one. Uh, yes. His should be in this red, uh, uh-huh. red S13. It was, you know, it's the, it's the most S, the most advanced S13 that's ever been built, ever. Beautiful car. Um, and then Matt Powers had a sort of version of that. That was an S4. Um, and this is full-blown nerd Nissan shit. Uh-huh, but I always yeah. wanted to build one of those things because it's cheap and you put a huge V8 in it and it's basically like the modern NASCAR, right? It's a tiny car with a huge V8 and it hauls ass. You can build a strong suspension. Everything's great. But, I mean, I live in New York. Everything's As soon as I drove that thing for one winter, it rust into a pile of little Japanese dust. Um, <laughs> yeah. Or I drive it in the streets here where uh, at some point I drive into a hole and never be seen again. Yes. So I think the, uh, the idea of a, building a sports car that can drive over anything is highly attractive mostly because america has stopped investing in roads yes. <laughs> so yeah we're probably gonna need it. yeah as <laughs> idyllic as denver is our roads are shit too yeah because yeah, it's yeah. like just one giant heat cycle yeah. constantly yeah. <laughs> we thought all the marijuana money would fix it but god damn it yeah yeah so yeah. so it makes me think about a bicycle that i built specifically for urban assault right i, I yes it, it's a dirt jumper it, that's like the formal kind of category that the bike fits in, but like stairs, curbs, ice cream mm-hmm. trucks, whatever. It doesn't matter. Like you could throw it off a fourth story of a building and it's fine. Like, you know, it, and, but like having that brutal, like just, I will run the, the fuck over anything I want, like mm-hmm. in a car form is highly attractive. Like I, I really see the appeal of that. Yeah. 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 No. Absolutely. I mean, that's the thing. It's just like, I mean, I think this is the thing too that people forget um, these days, unless you're actually a car nerd like uh, you two are, um, is that every single car out there today, there's no way you can ever drive it as fast as it can go on yep. the street. You're never driving ten tenths in anything. Yep. So why not? I mean, look, if I'm going to lift a Ferrari by three inches and put, uh, you know, six inches of suspension travel on it to drive somewhere, I still am not going to drive it as fast as it can go. But at least I'm not going to snap it in half when I hit a pothole. Yeah, I I, I want to see like a Ferrari 328 with a bunch of body roll. That would be amazing. <laughs> yes. Y- yes, yes, yes. And I want the mustache to go with it. Here's 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 what I'm going to suggest. I'm going to suggest a, a crazy build. So it's going to be an MG uh, B, the the hard top, like the yeah. the GT one. Come just strip it down and just we're gonna spray the whole thing with bed liner. So yes. the whole, it's just gonna be yeah, right bed liner. liner. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's it. No no doors and just bed liner everywhere. Harnesses. We're gonna put the two point. We're gonna put the drive line from the EcoBoost Mustang in it. There we go. So bingo. Yeah, two point three turbo four cylinder and just boosted to shit. Uh huh. And you know rear drive stick shift and just lift it and make it go anywhere rear wheel drive sports car i like that 
I like it. Yeah, that's fantastic. I I, I was thinking about the uh, getting I'll back go to your... I'll, I'll spin up the GoFundMe page right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was thinking about getting back to your Sprite roots and doing a rotary swap into a Sprite, which is something that's been done. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, uh, I've always been a, uh, a 510 fan. Um, so. Oh, I'd God. Love to, yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm thinking... Um, Let's see. I mean, you basically take the uh, the four banger out of a Ford RS, uh, the Focus RS, put it in the rear of a 510, get rid of the seats, <laughs> stick it in there. Yes. Renault Clio, a, that shit. Get it. <laughs> make it a four-wheel drive uh, 510 and then just pump out every single arch on the thing so it's just like, <laughs> as pissed off as possible. And it's basically like the, uh, what was it, that uh, that Ginkana Mustang that uh, Ken yes. Block did, but a 510. Yes. But then you paint the whole thing like a weird, like uh, like mint green color, like yes. a gross color, yes. Yes. like a brown, and just like run with it and see what happens yes. on black steel wheels. Yes, yeah, <laughs> I like it. That's awesome. Uh, okay, Ian, Ian, do you want to play FMK cars? I do. Okay, so uh, Derek, on the on the show, at the end of every show, we play a game called FMK Cars, and it's uh, okay. it's a play on. Uh, the game Fuck, Mary Kill that people play with celebrities. I don't know if you're familiar with that. No, yeah, yeah, of course. I thought it was, uh, I thought for a second that was FOMOCO, but then it seemed like you misspelled sign. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Fuck, Mary Kill. <laughs> also, you're the only guest uber car nerdy enough to make that uh, assumption. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well done. <laughs> so in this game, we're going to give give you three cars uh, and you have to assign fuck, which means uh, you're going to drive it for a day, hit it and quit it. You're going to do whatever you want with it for one day. Mary, it's your new daily driver, warts and all. Kill is it goes to the crusher immediately. Uh, okay. And sometimes there's catches with it. So I think we each have a couple for you. Um, I, I, have, I, I have one. You go first. Okay, I'll go first. So this one, there's no catch. This is just uh, straight up. So this one is called when the machines take over. We're gonna know <laughs> when the machines take over. We're gonna need to rejet them carbs. These are a few of the last U.S. market cars to offer carbureted engines. Okay, so the first one is a 1990 Olds Custom Cruiser. <laughs> oh God! Yeah. Why are you doing this to our guests? I don't, I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> I thought it would be see, fun. See the challenges here. I don't know what cars are coming next. It's exactly. Exactly. So I, yeah. So you can say answer after I give you all. I, of them, I, I will give you a little bit of advice. Ian always gets worse. He eases you in to the FMK cars. This one's not. Oh. This one's, this oh. One's, I'm switching it up, Dave. Okay. I'm gonna right. say. You know what? I don't care. I'm gonna say fuck. <laughs> well, you can you can answer I, after I give you all of them. Yeah, no, um, I've already made my decision. I mean, I couldn't answer. <laughs> yeah, decision, when he I plays spades, I want this car for a day. I want this car for a day. <laughs> he bids blind nil. Yeah, yeah, I like it. All right, so the next one is a 1993 Mazda B220. Oh, Ooh, the B2 200. Yeah, the the pickup, right? the, little, the little pickup. Yeah. yeah, mini truck. That was a carbureted engine in 1993. Jeez. Yep. <laughs> um, and the last one is a 1991 Jeep Grand Wagoneer. Ooh, I think I'm going to go, uh, well, I'm really glad I chose, uh, the dalliance that I did because that'll be a fun day. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think if, if we're choosing one to kill at like to destroy and one to marry, um, I would actually marry, 
uh, the Mazda because uh, it's an excellent architecture for a truck. They last forever. Yeah, um, they do. And generally, just a successful vehicle. I would say the Jeep. Um, yeah, I mean, I would love to uh, pretend that I would be an outdoorsman who enjoys that vehicle. But if I was actually an outdoorsman, I'd buy it and then immediately regret it. <laughs> well, I'm 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 glad that you uh, answered that way because now I know for sure that we will that we will call you again to dis- to discuss car things. But if, when it comes to investment advice, I am not going to call you because <laughs> I think Grand Wagoneers appreciated like six percent just in the time we've been talking. Yes. Yeah, but I mean, you know, I mean, the money is one thing, but at the same time, I mean, do you want to be a person who drives a Wagoneer? Yeah, no, I, I, I got it. It's even if it has wood grain. You, know, I will okay, say, okay, I'll take the back. I mean, if, it was, if, if the wood grain was in good shape, then everyone in the world can kiss my ass. That's where I'm going. But I mean, I've, I, I've, I've made my bed, and I'm not laying it. So. Okay, okay. I like that answer. Yeah, yeah. That's good work. <laughs> All right, Dave. You want to so, go? You want to do one? Oh no, no. Go ahead, Derek. What were you gonna say? I'm just saying this is a tough game. I feel incredibly stressed out right now. Okay. No, no. It, it's okay. It's that means okay. we're doing our job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. So, so for this one, Derek, we're gonna go back to a classic that we've played on the show before. Um. So in this, I just want you to give me a car first. Just give me any car that you would like. And this is one that I'm stealing that Ian has written. So it, it's his. I'm giving him credit. Okay, uh, how about a 69 Ford Mustang? Okay, all right, a 69 Ford Mustang. Oh, man, this is going to get good. Excellent choice. All right, so in this, uh, you're picking from three different versions of this car, okay? Okay. And these are um, elements of car culture, uh, which is a wide and colorful spectrum, all right? And it includes a lot of things that are very interesting. So first... This uh, 69 Mustang is going to be a donk. Okay. You're familiar with donks? Of course. (laughs) I saw a donk today rolling down the streets of Denver and it made me smile a little bit because anytime you see a Chevy Malibu up higher than a goddamn 18 wheeler, it kind of brings, you know, a little bit of fear. You pee a little bit and then you smile. Uh, So a donk Ford Mustang, right? Uh, then we have, and you're, and you, you, you're in this car culture too. Yes, so that yes. you, you are in it. So you're wrapping it with a Skittles wrap or whatever the hell. Yeah. Insane. You're, you're yeah. doing it. Paint job. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's your life now. Yep. Um, yeah, I think it'd be Captain Crunch for me. Just yes. It's worth, oh, yes. Peanut butter is my favorite. <laughs> um, <laughs> because why wouldn't we want the roof of our mouth to bleed when we eat cereal? I mean, come on. <laughs> God, uh, that cereal does suck, but I feel like that would be the donk I want. Anyway, I'm sorry. No, I, no. I jumped the gun. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Okay, so so <laughs> so we have a donk Mustang, classic Mustang. Then we have a hella flush stance bro Mustang where mm, you have okay. your, the Mustang slammed, the tires are stretched out, and your brim of your hat is so, so flat. <laughs> it is... It is like the you could use it to to design buildings. It's so straight. All right. Um, and then lastly, uh, we're ripping out the engine of the classic Ford Mustang and we're replacing it with a diesel. And you're going to have a giant smokestack and you are going to roll coal in your goddamn Mustang. So, Derek, wow. I want you to FMK that Mustang. Well, uh, man, you know what? 
I will say this. Um, everything would have changed had you not forced me to roll coal. I would have <laughs> loved to drive a, uh, a diesel Mustang with a huge stack on it because yeah. that's hilarious. Yeah, um, but also probably fuel efficient an and a shitload of torque. I mean, yeah, you can't knock right? that. But right? rolling coal just seems like such a dick move. That, it is. It uh, is. I'm going to go in hard and uh, which one? Kill that one? Yeah. Kill that one. Yeah, we kind of back um, into that. Yeah. I agree with you about the diesel thing because can you also imagine just the absolute pain on like the Mustang purist face at <laughs> the Mustang meet when you show up with when you're the dude who shows up with a diesel Mustang rolling coal? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that would yeah. almost be worth it. But yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, I can't. Uh, a diesel Mustang, like a like a huge Cummins diesel Mustang, just seems like someone has to have done that by now. But we'll we'll count that one out. Um. So what it comes down to then is, do I want to marry the donk, or do I want to marry the uh, hella flush Mustang? Um. And I've really. Man, I might have gone down the wrong course here because hella flush Mustang. I just I want to kill that one too. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but so, but you know but, what? I'm gonna I'm gonna do I'm gonna call an, I'm gonna call a time warp here. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna fuck the diesel Mustang. I'm gonna not roll coal on it. I'm gonna kill the hell flush Mustang because just the stretch rims are silly business. And I'm gonna marry the donk Mustang yes. because that sounds absolutely fantastic. <laughs> Yes, yes. I think if we've learned one thing doing this podcast, it's that everybody doesn't think that they would, but then they end up marrying a dog. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just a beautiful car. It's right. Out. I mean, you know, it's, it's something. It's just like I never understood the hate for dogs because I do understand the hate for a poorly modified dog um, right, and putting right. you know 150 pounds of wheel weight on a hub that was poorly designed in 1970. Sure, I get that. <laughs> But at the same time, if you're going to hate donks, it's a car designed purely to be fun. Right? And exactly. Why I hate exactly. that? People, yeah. people, the only reason we're in this is to have fun. So yes. I've always loved it. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And I'm glad I'm on a donk. I should have asked you guys that before I came on this podcast. Is, are you donk friendly? Because it's, a, <laughs> it's such an obvious uh, sign of whether oh, people are good Oh, God. That's our new t-shirt. That's, that's fantastic. Oh, We're shit. totally going to steal that. Oh, God. <laughs> Crap. Yeah, that's give fine. You I 100% support it. Oh, are you donk oh, friendly? Yes. That's great. Oh, my God. <laughs> Ian. Yeah. God damn it. All right. Quit digging. You struck oil. <laughs> <laughs> all right so i got one last one this one has a catch this one's a little little involved okay so it's called let's drive the fuck out of this future cars mired in dystopia so, Ooh, i like this one this is one i can win yeah <laughs> yeah so this is these are these are gonna be uh cool cars but they are going to exist within a dystopia from literature. Okay, okay. All right. So the first one is a McLaren P1. Mm-hmm. Um, but it exists within the Vonnegut short story Harrison Bergeron. So Okay. <laughs> so your car cannot be faster than anyone else's and you can only drive as well as your worst Uber experience. <laughs> So, okay, I'm going to hold on to my quip for that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
So you get the idea. You know, you you, yeah. you you have this great thing, but you can't use it because you're not allowed to. Because everything has to be equal. Yeah. So right. this is no different than any other P1 driver. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed yeah. it. Touche. Pretty, pretty, pretty on point there, yeah. All right. So the second one is the coolest Range Rover classic you can possibly think of. Ooh, okay. Yeah. But you live in the world of Fahrenheit 451, and service instructions for old Range Rovers have been deemed illegal and scrubbed <laughs> from the earth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's going to be an issue. About, I'm going to say, six feet from the driveway. <laughs> yeah. You're going to have to find soothsayers and yeah. storytellers. Yeah. And they're going to, yeah. you know, you're going to be going behind, like, you know, like an Anne Frank type. Uh, hiding holes to find literature. It's gonna be a. It's gonna be a hassle. <laughs> You're gonna be burnt from all the soldering. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. So the last one, Ford Focus RS, but you exist within a Clockwork Orange, and you drive however you want. The car is fine, but the authorities constantly mistake you for an ultra violent youth, and deal with you accordingly. <laughs> In th- in this scenario, unlike your previous one, they've caught you. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow. Um, okay. Well. Uh, so I think uh, you said you were going to win this one, but I'm not sure that's possible. <laughs> yeah, Ian, he so, can win. Uh, what I would kill is the P1 um, because yep. I don't want to be the person who drives that thing in traffic. It just seems wrong. Um, so I'll kill it before it kills me. Um, I'm going to say, uh, for the, uh, I would like to fuck the RS, um, because you know what I'd like to do is I'd like to drive the hot shit out of that angry little car before the man beats the hell out of me. Yeah. Oh, that seems like just a great day. Like, right. That seems, yeah. seems like a nice Tuesday right there. That's a good way to um, go out really. And that's a story. And- that's a story for later. <laughs> When, yeah, you're, I mean, when you're yeah. talking to two other idiots on a podcast. Yeah. There's just nothing more punk rock than that one. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I'd like to marry that, uh, that, that uh, Range Rover. Um, and the reason why is because, uh, not because I don't want to know how to fix it, um, but it's because if we're going to talk about a dystopian sci-fi future, um, none of the movies are the ones that I, that you listed are the ones that I want to live out. But I actually would love to live out the scene from 2001 where I'm just a chimp beating angrily at an <laughs> incomprehensible long olive. And that right there is a Range Rover. So. Yes! Yes! <laughs> oh my god, he won! The dawn of yuppies he is what won. that is called. Yeah. Uh-huh. He's beating dun, dun, dun. Yes. Yes! yes. Oh my Thank god. <laughs> Derek, you won. Uh, god, I wish we had a balloon to drop or something. <laughs> I mean, I just dropped a balloon myself. Um, but that's fine. <laughs> all right well yeah so i mean we we really appreciate you talking to us taking the time to talk to us uh you know working with the schedule and uh yeah let's let's just kind of give some plugs uh what do you want to where do you want to direct people you know yeah give us that um so i will uh i would love to direct people um first of all to the uh car series um we did for vice um it's on uh it's called speed Damons. um it's currently on the verizon go 90 app 
Uh, so I shouldn't probably direct people there because it's very hard to get to. Um, but it's cool nonetheless. It drove a bunch of cars very recklessly. Um, and I think that people would have fun with that. The second place I'd love to direct people to um, is... Well, I don't know. Do you guys have a website? Can I direct people to that? <laughs> <laughs> the reason I say that is because I've had an absolute delightful time um, with you guys. Uh, I didn't know actually what I was getting into uh, <laughs> when you signed me up. And uh, this has been one of the most uh, enlightening, enjoyable chats I've had in quite some time. So I just want to thank you guys for that. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on. And, uh, you know, anytime, anytime you want to come back on, if something, you know, happens in car news or whatever, Feel free to invite yourself back. Oh my God! Yeah, for yeah. sure. We like, yeah, we have we have certainly loved talking to you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the fact that Turbo Maps were mentioned within the first three minutes of the podcast. <laughs> yes, in guest for life, friend of the show. <laughs> yes, status cemented. Yeah, look, we didn't even talk about efficiency lands yet, so we'll have to do that next time. But yes. uh, you know, I, like I, mean, it. I I need to get I need to get that top circle. Oh God! <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, yeah. Thank you so much, Derek. Yeah. So yeah. Thank you guys very much for having me. I genuinely uh, enjoyed it. So it's been a fantastic time. Awesome. Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah, and you guys uh, are two rather intelligent uh, chaps. So thank you for that as well. So, um, but I'm going to sign off here and uh, thank you until the next time. Okay. Yeah, no problem, dude. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right. Bye. All right. Talk to you later. Ian, Dave. Oh my God, that was so great talking to Derek. That was a lot of fun. And um, he was being very coy with his plugs, but all of you should definitely read Motherboard because they definitely. really do have a, a good um, a good twist on, on the tech blog idea. And they do cover car stuff every once in a while, which is, uh, it's always fascinating when they do. Uh, so you can get to that by going to motherboard.tv or motherboard.vice.com. Yeah. You should do that. Awesome. I don't know. Dave should... Yeah. Yeah. Should, should they do anything else? Ian, you know what I'm going to say. You know what I'm going to say. But you shouldn't say it. I, you, Ian, I can say it, so I'm going to say it, but I don't want you to. Ladies and gentlemen, would you do me a favor? Don't do would it. Would you continue to tweet compliments to Ian? <laughs> because this has, been, this has been something that I've loved. Uh, this has made my life more complete. Uh, I've PayPal'd one. Amazon $5 code to, to the first person that complimented you on your dashing good looks. Uh, and I still have yet to pick a favorite. Um, I like what I like the compliment heat that Ike's been laying down. Yeah. So um, yeah, looking forward to more of that. Um, he's, he's doing it now. He says Ian's so great. He's the best. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. So listeners, should you uh, come up with a truly engaging compliment for Ian that you tweet at him and please copy me or team clear code on it for the love of God. This is the greatest thing I've ever thought of, um, <laughs> which really tells you where my life is at. Um, please, for the love of God, do that. Uh, another $5 Amazon code is in the works um, at stake at stake. So Ian to tweet at him. It's I roll so hard. EYE roll so hard. Uh, follow him on Instagram and Twitter and, uh, you know, uh, send those compliments his way. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Nuck Nuck Goose, N-U-K, N-U-K Goose. Um, and Team Clearcoat, write us a review on iTunes. Um, send us an email with FMK Cars ideas. 
yeah, do all that stuff. Just reach out to us. Let us know what you're thinking. Uh, and continue to tell use... A, tell a friend if you, te- if you yes. like us. Tell a, tell a friend. Yeah. So um, uh, Ike is suggesting the hashtag Ian is the best. Ian's the best. Yeah. Sh- yes. Ian's the best. Um, and so uh, uh, Team Clearcoat on Facebook. Hey, stop flipping Ike off, Ian. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, Team Clearcoat. Uh, send us an email, teamclearcoat at gmail.com. And that's how we do it. And let's see here. I think that wraps it up. I think that's it? it. Yeah. So thanks again. Thanks again to Derek. That was a lot of fun. Oh, my I'm sure God. he'll be back on at some point. God damn it. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. All right. We did it. Let's clasp hands. No, I don't want to touch you. Oh, I, I'm real clammy. Just get in. Just get oh, in. This is in. for the one just Periscope just, listener. Just, that. Oh, <laughs> oh God. Bye. Non-contact work environment.